BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the death lineup. There's been a lack of uh, stuff going on in Warriors land, which is why we were able to take another few days off than we normally would. But uh, what is there to talk about? Like everything I'm trying to look up some stuff like, oh, there is some news actually today, which we'll get to. We'll open with the news. But I was going to say that's that's the emergency pod is. Are we going (laughs) to sign Bazemore or JTA? Harry Giles. That too. They should, you know what they should do? They should sign Bazemore and get it over with. No, they should sign Harry Giles and do some sort of uh, marketing around Harry Styles and Harry Giles and try to get some some young fans in. Maybe maybe Harry Styles can come sing the national anthem or something. He's hot, man. I, I I don't listen to his music, but do you think do you think it'll be Warriors versus Sack opening night, or do you think it'll be Warriors Lakers? Um, I think it'll be Warriors Lakers, but it should be Warriors. Sack. It should be Warriors Sack. So if you get Harry Giles, then you promote the, his coming home. Yeah, <laughs> playing Let's his former it. team, Harry <laughs> Giles. You know, I remember Harry Giles because he was like the number one prospect coming out of college that or high school high that school. year, and then he just kept hurting his knee. I think this is and, Marshall's favorite player of all time. Really, really. Why? I don't know. Probably because <laughs> of that high school stuff. Harry Giles. Uh, but there's a, there was Clay Thompson on Podcast P. We'll talk about that. Nothing really newsworthy that, that came out of that. But it was just fun because Clay's fun. And Podcast P is pretty good at that stuff. No, they're like... <laughs> I think they're like Leaves and Bounds, the best player podcast. I was going to ask there. you about that. And maybe when we talk about that, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Because... You know, we listen to Andre. I, I don't listen as much as I was. Uh, they're done anyway. The season two's over. I didn't realize it, but yeah, they're not. They're not doing it right now. Um, obviously Draymond, but he's a single person podcast, which is and really hard. And also, I'm still upset because he didn't stand on it. It's supposed to be new media, and he's still not standing on it. We haven't heard why he punched Jordan Poole in the face. Um. Yeah, who else does uh, player pods that's out there? Austin Rivers. Okay, yeah, we got to talk about our Ringer Connect. Austin Rivers, we're always going to give love to Austin Rivers and his podcast, uh, Ben Cruz. Shout out to Ben Cruz. Um, But yeah, like I think think Podcast P might be the best one. Yeah, it's not really, now that I think about it, there's not really that many. The J.J. Redick one, but he's former player. And you know, Um, another former player is... uh, Oh, Matt Barnes yeah, and Steven yeah. Jackson. I always subscribe to them because I'll hear something and then I just never listen and I unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah. But JJ J. Reddick's a good one because I think JJ Reddick's podcast probably helped him really get connected get the ESPN with ESPN. Stuff. And, yeah. and you know, he's talented, but you 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 show that you can reach younger listeners and that probably helps him with the ESPN. There's something about podcast P's though, where it's like I really like the hosts. I think they're all funny. And Who are those guys? Way. I think so. I guess one of them, what we learned from the podcast is one of them played AAU with, with, with Clay and, and, and the PG. That's where he kind of, um, that's where he comes from. And the other one, Jackie, I guess he's an actor. Or yeah. A former, like I, I looked up the, they were talking about the movie ATL or something. I never heard of it. And I looked it up and yeah, Jackie, he's, he's one of the cast members, big boy, T.I., Jackie um, Long and Dallas Rutherford. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was Dallas, figure... was, 
I was trying to figure out who Jackie Long was because yeah. he, he has a very he's like an old school voice, but when you look at him, he's not that old. Like he's yeah. younger than me, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it's and then yeah, and then the the other guy, I guess he was the coach's the coach's son who got the point me. guard on AAU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought he was funny because he just kept like it's like the coolest thing that's ever happened to him is that he used he could claim that he played. AAU ball with, with Clay and PG and I would have been the same way, but there was a point where they were asking Clay, like, hey, what's your um like what's your like sneaky tip for shooters? Like Steph told us that the elbows are important. Yeah. And Clay's like, oh for me it's the shoulders. And they started all started like pretend shooting to show. Oh no, no, no. It was when Clay said that he catches the ball and immediately goes up. He doesn't do the dip. Um and so they were all practicing it. And then I don't know, I, I couldn't see it as an audio podcast. So I couldn't see if they're actually passing a ball, a little ball to each other to practice shooting or if it's just a fake ball. The video is up on YouTube, but you were uh, listening. Yeah, but I was listening to it on my way home. But uh, the Dallas guy, he, <laughs> he's like passing it to Clay. And I don't know if it's a pretend pass or just a real basketball. He's like, he's like, just like the old days. <laughs> like, I would have totally said something like that. <laughs> Question for you. You know, in 15 years, you'll still be. Uh, a pretty young person. If we have, you know, non-human driving cars, and you're in you're in the passenger seat in your own car coming home from uh, from work, you're gonna have an you're gonna have an iPad in your thing. You're not gonna have a phone. So maybe that's when the the YouTube and the the video podcasts will really be the thing. And rather They're just relying on self-driving cars to evolve, and so the we'll just be able to. Like instead of instead of the car where the Tesla has the screen or those cars have the screen, it's just iPad. <laughs> yeah, that's what it the is. screen. Uh, so, was there anything in that podcast that you thought was newsworthy? I know they talked about JP Clay loves that guy. I guess they practiced recently. I saw some photos they did, of, yeah. of them all shooting. That was uh, cool. Yeah, Seth and Steph and JP and Clay and uh, Scoot Henderson. Oh, Scoot was with them. That's yeah. when I saw because Steph was doing stuff with Scoot. Yeah. Um, I thought the only other noteworthy thing is that they are in the group chat with CP now, Steph, Dre, Andrew, Clay, CP. I'm assuming Looney's in that. I'm a, I'd assume the whole thing. What if they left it. Looney out? That would be that messed up, man. <laughs> this, uh, Loon, Loon can't get left out of this stuff, man. <laughs> but um, they're in a group chat and they're going to do some private workouts or like some type of like boot camp stuff before the season, which I thought that's semi newsworthy. It seems like they all have spoken <laughs> which you'd hope and it feels like there is this weird like i don't know you expect like your favorite team you expect them all to be best friends off the court and, yeah like, that's really not how it is anymore with our team specifically and what about just... when clay said that he and steph didn't even talk for the first two years they played together <laughs> yeah see i would have never guessed that at all um but no i yeah i, I kind of get sad when you know you hear about draymond and jk's relationship obviously draymond killed the jp relationship it's like you gotta stand you know i get it stand on always... it draymond you gotta become a mentor you can't yeah. just be beating these kids up man i think i actually think pg and Dre were talking about it in their pod where it's like you know this guy's always filtering in and out they you know you, yeah. you take it as a personal shot when one of your vets doesn't want to come and resign with your team yeah when really it's just they're chasing their best um ventured for for their own selves when it makes sense but yeah like like i look at the the pistons team that i, I like and follow like they're all like best buds <laughs> like, well they're all they the all same like, age they're all like the same age too and they all just like hang out with each other off the court like i wish the way you know when they're not going to be best buds is when they have to make some decisions on who's going to when the they all come up forward. for contracts at the same yeah. time that's when yeah. they're not going to be best buds yeah um i think uh I think that my favorite thing about Clay, when yeah, because I've listened to him on a few of these podcasts now. Is he the same on all of them, or was this one he felt particularly like? I think it's because he knew Paul from when they were younger, so there was yeah. a little bit more of a connection. And that's what I was also going to say about Paul is what's good about him is he's connected through AAU, and he's at that age where the NBA superstardom of players has never been bigger. Like his era. Because he comes into the league, uh, what did they say? Oh eight was? It, did they say they were oh eight? Clay was eleven, right? He was two. Oh, okay, that, that I, I'm, I'm thinking high school. I'm thinking their their high school end mm -hmm. of their high school year. So from that point in the two thousand early two thousand tens, Twitter is is on a roll. Social media, YouTube, uh, distribution of stuff. If you wanted to have your little product, it's much easier. So I think that makes that makes it 
a really good time for someone like him because if he's in that he he doesn't seem like he's too cool for school like right like Steph Curry's too cool for school he's not gonna like do a podcast and invite all these people who he played against on that's just not going to be his style but Paul's doing it and he's doing it in such a, a welcoming and a conversational way I'm sure he's got beef with guys like yeah, he's not gonna it. invite everybody right so but yeah, there's just something so inviting and so welcoming about his show that I really enjoy. Yeah, and I think Clay fit the bill in every perspective. It feels like Clay. I don't. Know, I feel like he's he's like wiser. And you, know, you go through two injuries where you don't really get to do the thing you love, and you have to kind of be a regular person for for two straight years. You probably learn a thing or two. Um, and I felt like I felt like he was wise, and in, in 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 the sense that like. I don't know. He was able to say like, yeah, I, I messed up there and I was wrong in that moment. And usually that takes someone like, I don't know, 10, five to 10 years to do that publicly. Like that Devin Booker thing was just last year. It was yep. just last season. And he was already like, yeah, I got in my feelings. Like he was, he was cooking me and, and I, and, and I got in my feelings. So that's why I did that. And I, I totally like respected that. I feel like Draymond is so ironic about Draymond is Mr. Stand on your, <laughs> stand on your opinion. And I feel like he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't apologize for anything. Yeah, stuff. because it shows a little bit weakness. of weakness. And but that's that's the in fake quote, weakness. Yeah, in the quote, fake, in quote. It's fake weakness. Right. It, it's it's uh, ego. It, yeah. you know, it's ego exposed in a sense. But if you are Draymond and you you have you have to believe that you know whatever it is that makes you you is kind of your your fuel and your superpower. You you try and you try and stay that because if you change it up in any way and. You know, maybe maybe you lose a step, then he probably feels like oh, I gave in. You know, I, I can't give in. But I, I think I, I think you're right about Clay. And it's what's funny is, I think when he did that, Marcus Thompson was like, just oh, Clay was just in his feelings. Like you know, he because he's so close to that scene, and that's why it's good to have such great uh, reporters and journalists close to the team. Because I feel like things will come out with stories and we kind of had an inkling because we listened to Anthony Slater and we listened to Tim and we listened to Marcus Thompson, by the way, my goal, I, I interviewed Larry Kruger a couple weeks ago. I want to do the KMBR thing. I'm going to reach out to Chris Townsend because I also worked with him at KMBR. I'm going to shoot my shot, man. I'm going to try to get Kawakami. If I can get Kawakami to come on and even if it's for 20 minutes, and I think I have an in because I don't know if you heard the podcast with Kawakami and Dunleavy, and we'll get to that at the end. Oh, I haven't. I need to listen to that. It, it's 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 not. I mean, Dunleavy is Dunleavy. Like he's like he's not super. See, I don't know, but he's yeah, very he's, professional, okay. you know. But Kawakami mentioned, you know, what, what what's your favorite show? And so, of course, Dunleavy was talking about uh, oh the Steph documentary and. Um, such a business <laughs> the the full uh, the the tennis show on Netflix which is really good but I got disinterested because I'm just not following the tennis game as closely right now but Kawakami said the Oscar de la Hoya documentary and the reason why that's my in with him is because not a lot of people know that Tim fo followed boxing really closely he wrote the very first biography on De La Hoya from, from as far as I can remember. So that might be my in because I can use the boxing angle. Cause I know he's still interested, even though he's not reporting on it anymore and he's close to Oscar. He had Oscar on his show like last year or the year before. What the heck? So I'm, that's going to be my angle. If I can get Tim, then Hey man, I might be on top of the world. Then I'm a, I'm going to reach out to Marcus. I'm going to reach out to Ethan. Yeah, I think you probably have a better chance than Ethan. No, I think I think I I would I think I would, Ethan. You know, I just tell him I'm subscribing to his thing, and yeah, and he'll, he'll probably be yeah. pretty cool with that. Yeah, he probably would. Um, so so yeah, so we'll we'll talk about the the Kawakami thing in, in a bit, uh, but just back to, uh, back to Clay, the thing about it, and, and the reason why we root for him so hard is because he is honest about his feelings, and he is kind of talking through his thoughts in some cases. And so, so you feel connected to him. He's got to play though, because yeah. that's, what's going to break the hearts of the fans is if he's not playing at the level that, that they want him to, or that we think he should play. Uh, and so that is my hope is that clay can, can bounce back a little bit from that poor playoffs because he didn't have a terrible season. He had maybe an inefficient season, 
but it was the playoffs that everyone remembers. I mean, you know, the tough thing is, though, is like you look at like young players who maybe aren't good in the playoffs and you're like, OK, well, you know, they're young. You know, they might add a couple things to their bag. And and I think where I'm going here is that like what could Clay have done differently in the playoffs? It just had to make the shot. You know, like all the moves he did were it's classic clay, wide open shots. He just had to just had to make it. So I'm just wondering, is that like a mental thing for him that he needs to change um, to, to perform at that level in the playoffs? Because he's he's I think either either one of the athletic guys or he himself even said like, yeah, last season in the offseason, I couldn't mentally get myself to play pick up fives because, yeah. you know, of the injuries. And so I'm wondering this summer, has that mentality changed? Has he you know, done the full pickup to incorporate into his training routine that makes it, you know, a full training. Because I think even going into last year, he said he was out of shape too. So mm -hmm. um, how celebrating, man, this, this, the, the, you know, it's the old Pat Riley thing, the disease of more. We win that title, mm -hmm. man. There's a lot of celebrating going on. And by the way, did you, I, I, you didn't watch winning time season one, right? I didn't. I am going to though. Uh, the season two starts off with that whole idea that, the Lakers win the championship and now they're everyone's catch gonna try and catch up. It's the up top. To it's the yeah. pinnacle. Like that's, what that's is what there more to about. prove? Episode one of season two started out that way. I'm only I'm only like 10 minutes in, but uh all right, let's talk about this Steph documentary. No, 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 actually, we didn't even talk about the news. Let's talk about that news first. Okay, from Shams, the Warriors are holding free agent workouts with veterans, Dion Waiters, gross, Tony Snell, kind of gross. Kent Bazemore. Kind of like. JTA. I like. Harry Giles. I don't even remember. And Trey Burke. Trey Burke is interesting. You know why Trey Burke is interesting? Why? I think he predated Jordan Poole at Michigan. I think, right? Is that is, Am I thinking of the same guy? Trey Burke. Is, was he the he guy? He was a bucket in college. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit older. Uh, yeah, actually, he's he's a lot older. He's he's uh, much older than than I realized. He, so he was he was probably two classes uh, before Draymond. I think I mean not Draymond, but be before JP. Uh, let me see. Am I remembering him? Yeah, he he was at Michigan. He he was he Michigan um, in two thousand. He left in two thousand thirteen. Poole yeah. probably got there at like two thousand seventeen. Yeah, or eighteen. Yeah. yeah, but he like remember how because. Trey Burke was the the guard when Michigan went to the title game prior, and then Jordan Poole got them back to the title game, right? When before Jordan Poole left, didn't didn't Michigan go to the championship? I think they did, and I think he sucked, is what I heard <laughs> against Villanova. Was it? Isn't that what? Isn't that what Uncle was saying at, at the barbecue? I, I forget it, that weirdly got brought up. Was it even? Was it the Divincenzo? Divincenzo team. team I think. Oh man. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't realize that Trey Burke was, was that old, but out of those guys, who, who do you see as a possibility? It sounds like Bazemore and JTA, just because they have the, they have the alumni status with the Warriors. Look at this point, like those names you just read, there's no player that you're going to like get and like. I can guarantee you're going to give me playoff rotation minutes, or I can guarantee that, you know, you're a little diamond in the rough and you're going to turn into this 25 point per game score. Got like no one realized and should have picked up sooner. Like this is Dion waiters shot chucker who will give you 15 one night and two the next night. Like this is Trey Burke. Also a shot creator. Uh, Tony Snell. He's literally famous for putting up zero stats. <laughs> um, so I, th I think going in the direction of guys, you know, can play in your system. I think it should just dwindle it down to Kent and and JTA. I low key, I'm a little interested in Harry Giles just because of the size and and he's working his way back. Sometimes you got that hunger in you to get your way back in the league. Maybe you want that little fight. What, but, did, what did Harry Giles even do last year? He's probably overseas. So he last played in the NBA in like 2019, probably 20 at the the 2021 season. Oh, okay, okay, and um. Yeah, he he barely played nine but minutes Kent, a game. Last time Kent played for us, he was kind of good, kind of for what we needed. Like, uh, wasn't he like the? If you look at like Basketball Reference for that Steph season where he had the scoring title and we lost to the Grizzlies in the play-in, like I would wonder if you filtered by minutes, is mm -hmm. Bay's top seven? Probably right. I'm assuming Bay's so, would be top seven on our team in minutes. That season he played 20, twenty minutes a game. What was he? So, dude, that's probably more than. 
he's probably the sixth or fifth, right? He shot. He also shot forty-one percent from three, but he did not take very many of them. Yeah, um, I guess my point is that he got a lot of run on that squad, and with a lot of run, he actually played fine. Like he probably played above whatever he was getting paid, you know. So, um, and what did what did he do after that? Did he go back to Atlanta or did he go to L.A.? Like oh, he, he went, went to, to L.A. He went to the Lakers and didn't uh, play. He played 14 minutes a game, but he did not shoot well. At yeah, but you'd say 14 minutes a game, but how many games? I think oh, 14. Uh, no, 39. He only played 39 games. Okay, 39 out of the 82. I, th- I remember them giving up on him or something like that. But, you know, I think there's a lot of these Warriors guys who are only good on the Warriors and they would be bad on every other team. We could literally look down and probably grab about seven guys per championship team that were like that. Like Patrick McCaw has not been in the league since... He left the Warriors, went to the Toronto team for one year, and now he's been in the G League the entire time. Like, what happened to Keeps Alfonso McKinney? championships, too. He does. He does. But <laughs> there are just those guys who just play better on the Warriors and 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 can't really perform that well in other teams. And Baze isn't one of them. Baze had a pretty solid career after Golden State. But uh, JTA is one of them. Didn't play well in the Lakers. Didn't play well in Utah. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think it should dwindle down to those You know, guys. JTA's problem is... If JTA could stick the three, I think he's a little bit more serviceable, but he just... That's why I'd probably prefer Bays because we have enough non-shooters on this squad as it is with Draymond, Looney, Trace Jackson-Davis. We'll see with Kaminga. Um, and Sarich kind of low volume, but... Well, they got... Okay, let's read it off right here. CP, Steph, Clay, Wiggs, Dre, Loon, GP2, Kaminga, Moody, Pods, TJD... Sarich and Corey Joseph, that is your 13 right there. And so they will be adding this player, uh, whoever they add as, as 14. And you know, the one that uh, we keep bringing up because of our connection to the ringer and to Ben Cruz and to Austin Rivers is Austin Rivers. I would love to see Austin Rivers on this team. Yeah, but all the guys you just named off, like how many are above 6'5"? Steph, uh, Corey Joseph, Corey short. Joseph, Chris uh, Paul. Pods all- is short. Uh, GP two short. And That's my CP point. And Steph. I think it's a wing. I think we need some. I think it's Kent. If if they're gonna choose from that amount of players, it's the step. It's the Steph appeaser too. Like that needs to be mentioned. Uh, Kent Bazemore is at the Steph Curry camp with Steph because he's connected to Steph. Connected Bench to Under too, Armour. right? It's it's the role that you were talking about earlier. Kent knows what the role would be, which is. Do you remember that story in that season that Kent came back? They were in Toronto, I want to say, and most of the guys didn't play that Toronto game. I forgot why. But they all go into the locker room. I think, oh man, if I can remember this correctly, is that the one they got blown out by like fifty points? I think so. But it, it was it was before it was the Wiseman's year, and I think it was then. I think Steph and Draymond are in the locker room telling these this Warriors team like that's embarrassing. Like that that's not how the Warriors should play. Like that's what we've done for this team. Like you guys didn't represent it. Like they were kind of going in on him. Is what I heard. I think it was a Slater story. Another person who was in that because Clay wasn't playing that year. It was Steph yelling at them, Draymond yelling at them, or maybe Steph and Draymond leading that discussion and Kent Bazemore. Mm. <laughs> like, this is how the Warriors are supposed to be, and you guys aren't representing what we built. Like, Baze. okay, Kent. <laughs> Bays. So, well, yeah, I, no, I think he could be a, a good little addition for, for the bench. It is, uh, it is also just the fact that, I mean, maybe he'll, I'm sure everyone wants to play. But what was the problem in the in the playoffs last year that was pretty loud problem, which is guys were chirping at not getting in the game, and uh, you need somebody on the bench as a vet to get the to get the bench fired up. You know, Bays was a fantastic uh, bench guy as far as getting you know off the bench and waving the towel and getting if his you, team up, like all that if, stuff. If which I about, I think I said last year, I was like, yeah. ah, who cares about that stuff? But I mean, it was proven that they did miss that this year. If you just if we were to rank like Warriors bench vibe guys, like it, it's probably like one A one B. Nate Robinson, Ken Bazemore. Like they were Nate? so cool. They were Nate Robinson was awesome on the bench for the Warriors. Him and Steph shooting <laughs> back and forth. Played a lot though that season. Yeah, too. yeah. But no, he's, it was. I, I'm trying to. I can't even remember some other guys who are who are good bench guys. But um, yeah, no. I I think I think Bays is the choice here. Um, I feel like you kind of, if they're gonna do it, like I I mean I'm not closing my options off. If there's someone not on that list that they're still talking to, I'm just purely talking about this specific list if they're going to pull someone yeah. from this list it should i think it should be kent and, and it's possible that they hold uh you know to, at the end of this tweet sham said 
Golden State has multiple round of workouts to identify signing. So this is just the the beginning of that. So JTA is lined up for whatever Moly's job is, uh, the NBC guy or whatever. <laughs> I, I would love JTA just because I have my JTA shirt. Yeah, I would. Oh, man, that one jersey he wore to the mm-hmm. dunk contest with like, I think, was he double zero or just zero? Or was remember. he? I forgot what number he was, but it was like it wasn't the it was like the Mexico flag mm-hmm. as the number. Yeah, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, it was cool. All right, let's talk about this Steph documentary. Now, you have grown up with Steph Curry being in your life as a basketball fan for the majority of it. You, I think, you know, it's like LeBron, Carmelo, and then Steph is probably who you remember as like the players who who were, you know, who who you were rooting for growing up. Was there anything in the documentary that you learned that you did not know about Steph? Because they did have a lot of Davidson stuff in there. Uh, shout out Marcus Thompson, because I don't think there was any really anything new I learned that I hadn't already learned from his book. From his book, from yeah. Golden? Like, uh, I actually, that's a good question, because I didn't really think of that. Did I learn? Um, He seemed like a funny, fun guy in college. Like kind of like, like a goofy, like, yeah, like goofy, a nerdy guy. A I can't bit. imagine. Like Steph is still kind of like goofy. Well, he was days. just uh, singing with uh, with Paramore. Paramore. Like, yeah, I forget the lead singer's name. Haley. What's her her, her name? Uh, she's I really know. good. I really yeah. like her voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was out there in his glasses, just singing his his uh, his brains out. But with, yeah, like. Uh, this Steph, like you get him in an interview and he'll give you like absolutely nothing. He's such a politician and how he speaks in interviews and like he's just not going to give you anything. But yeah, college Steph seems like he would have just told you all of his life story and, and back. I ruined the whole documentary for Crystal. Why? So. Oh, you told her how what happens to Davidson? Yeah, I was like, I forgot. I forgot how I said it, but I was I said something like, oh, like I was trying to remember when they actually lost in this tournament. And she's like. Oh, they lost. I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, they lost. They're not going to win the NCAA championship." Davidson. She's like, "Oh, that was thanks. like the whole." Movie. I was like, "Oh, I forgot. I just, I just forgot. I that would have been so high on his list of, uh, you know, things that that you know about Steph that I just figured she knew, but nope, she didn't know. So I spoiled the whole thing. Um, I didn't. I didn't really do any homework for the documentary in terms of like, I don't think I watched the trailer. I don't think I watched anything. So when I went into it, I was like, Oh yeah, we're going to get to see some like Monte behind the scenes. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna get yeah, to see yeah. Like all those first couple years with the AC law and, yeah. and the championships. It's like, Oh no, Keith it's smartly benching Steph. It's literally just Davidson and the 2022 ring, which is kind of nice. It's because like the 2022 ring, like even though I've watched, like I watched all 82 for that year. Like I, I really did. I maybe watched 81 because the one game I miss is when we went to Santa Cruz and watched Kaminga and Moody. Yeah. Like I was locked in for that year. And I think it was nice because they were talking about some random Utah jazz game where Steph was coming off of just hitting the record and he's on this cold stretch. You missing all these shots. And, and yeah. And I was like watching that. I was like, no, I watched that game. They won that game because they were making it look like they were going to lose it because Steph couldn't hit a shot. And then yeah. I was like, oh yeah, they won that game. Yeah. Like, like a random Utah jazz game on like a like a Friday. I was able to remember. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally thought we were getting it all. I thought that was going to be like the all in one Steph documentary. So I, I actually was a little disappointed, but it's my fault. You know, uh, I'll use a word that Steph overuses in his vocabulary. The narrative, the narrative of the documentary was that Steph was overlooked and underrated coming out of high school, going into college, coming out of college and into the NBA draft. And the last championship, the Warriors were overlooked and underrated. And so they connected those two moments or those two seasons um, and into, into one documentary. So the thing that I like you, I wish they would have had more stuff in there. Did you listen to Steph on um, uh, no. Real Ones? No, I didn't. Okay, so so Steph was actually telling Don Nelson stories because Raja, is the Raja, did Raja have any crossover with the? I don't remember if Raja, if Raja did Raja play for the Warriors for like a small amount of time. I don't remember. There might have been some crossover there. Anyways, so. He uh, he was talking about Don Nelson and some he was like giving Don Nelson stories like, oh, wow, I've never heard Steph really talk too much about Nelly. And so I was kind of hoping to get a little bit more of that in the documentary, obviously not. But I would say the only thing 
that I was disappointed in. And it's because in the very beginning of the documentary, there's a KD sighting. That was so cool. KD comes in the club to help them celebrate whatever they were. Was it the championship where they celebrated? No, it was his uh, record. Oh, yeah. The three point record. So Katie's there and he just comes through and, you know, and Steph's like, you know, that's the most misunderstood person in the NBA or whatever the quote was. And so I was like, oh, that's a little bit of a tease. So we'll see a little bit of the Katie Steph stuff. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And I guess you can't tell that story of being underrated when you are the most uh, dominant team dominant of team of all time and everyone expects you to win. So there, there was very little of KD in in that because that's the that is the story. Now, if you want to tell a story about the Warriors, and this is for I'm sure it's there is a at some point documentarian chomping at the bit, but I I bet you it's the guys. It's going to be Steph and Dre and Clay, and they'll have their own production stuff. They're going to be the ones behind the story because they're going to want to tell it in a specific way. But the second the Warriors lose to the Cavs in 2016. Then you go right to Draymond talking about how soon after he called KD about coming to play for the Warriors. And then you have that whole thing. And the end of that is KD tearing the Achilles, Clay tearing up his knee, them losing that thing, then the pandemic. And you kind of, you know, the, all the bad stuff. And then you talk about where they are in their careers with the Warriors, they're winning championships. So that's kind of a nice a nice uh, end to there. And hopefully for KD, you know, you have some, some good stuff too, because hey, that post- documentary could be extended. If we get a little Western conference finals, actually, that'd be great. That would be fantastic. Uh, and you can, you can do that, but that that's, that's going to be the one in five years or, or whatever it is that, that you can tell. So, um, but I would say the Steph documentary is very well done. It's very well shot. They Googler. Use- the you is that is that who was yeah the black panther director ryan coogler i think was uh was he producing or directing steps um there there's a lot of footage from davidson time so whoever took i mean some of it was game footage so they i'm sure they just had it but there's lots of like just hanging around campus footage too that's pretty cool Uh, and then you know just of course they're going to get the top nba footage for stuff but you know, lots of Steph driving. I was like, do we have to have another Steph in the car shot to tell this thing? Like, there's we understand the transition of he's going to do something. Like, let's let's do like a walking one instead. But um, yeah, I I was entertained. I think it's more for the I would say the casual yeah uh fan who doesn't know a ton about Steph. If you know a lot about him and you know his career, you're gonna enjoy it just because it's Steph and you just remember a lot of those moments, but you're also gonna be like, oh, I want more. Like, where's this and this and this? But otherwise. Uh all right. The last thing we'll talk about is uh this Mike Dunleavy uh situation. Cause I so you didn't listen to the podcast with I know Rami. I freaking messed up. I should I but, I but uh, I'll just I I'll kind of use you a little bit as Somebody who you don't, I mean, you don't really have a feeling about him any, any way. And I do. And I was listening to Ethan with uh, Sam and Andy, and this was a few, a few weeks ago, and I'm just kind of behind in my Ethan feed and they feel some kind of way about <laughs> like they're like the idea that he was a disappointing player for a disappointing franchise and that somehow affects how he's going to be a GM. Now, they did say that, you know, Bob Myers, there's no way Bob Myers, in their opinion, there's no way Bob Myers makes the trade for CP. Like, they, they, in their opinion, now this is Sam and Andy. Obviously, if you've listened to Sam and Andy, if you've listened to Light Years, you know the takes are mm. sharp. I think they're right. And that not, it, it doesn't even matter if they're right or wrong. The responsibility for the takes you don't have to follow up on it necessarily when you're doing a, a a podcast as you would if you were writing pieces in the athletics. So they can be a little sharper and maybe a little bit more irresponsible w- w- with those takes because it is more in the, in the vein of entertainment. And I, and I think that is acceptable for, for podcasting, but they were saying that there's no way Bob Myers makes that trade. Cause he would sleep he was just waiting to get out he couldn't he wasn't really doing a lot of work so um 
I just uh, I just wonder if the overall thought about Dunleavy is based off of the when he came into the league in 2003 as a disappointment was 2002 maybe I think 2002 as a disappointment and that was the frustration which was he wasn't the savior he wasn't Yao he wasn't Jason Williams or Jay Williams back then um and so does that have anything to do with how he can lead the team as a GM? I don't think it should. Um, like a thing I can think of is that when I started my day-to-day job, like looking back at it from where I am now, I'm like, man, I was bad. And if they <laughs> fired me, like I would see why they did it. But now I feel like way better. And and I feel like that kind of applies here where it's like, this is like a completely different field almost. Like he's not hooping. He's, he's behind the scenes making calls and, you know, like I, I think I, I I'm gonna give him, a, give him a fair shot. And for me, it is a fair shot because I never watched him hoop really. Like even like in his Bulls days, like I wasn't really watching the Chicago Bulls like that. Um, so yeah, he, he probably is gonna get a, a fair shot for me. I don't think the two should be related. I think that's my take. So the other thing that hurts Dunleavy in the eyes of um, Warriors fans is that. He is traded, and uh, the trade is to the Indiana Pacers with Troy Murphy, Ike Diagu, and Keith McLeod for Steven Jackson, Al Harrington, uh, and two other guys who, who you know, they, they weren't really a big part of it. But they deal him for what becomes the We Believe, two pieces of the We Believe team. So there's also that thing, which is out with the old and then in with the new, and and that We Believe team is so well-remembered for Warriors fans. So he wasn't even a part of that. Would the Warriors fan base feel more comfortable if Stack was the GM? (laughs) Stack Jack. (laughs) Everyone would be off the board. (laughs) I want to give him... An absolute chance, but in my there's a small piece of me in my brain where I go, he's so disappointing, and I like it has nothing to do with him being a GM. It has everything to do with him as a player. Uh, so I just yeah, th- I think that's going to be tough. Like, w- w- what's this CP th- CP three thing is going to be? I think a a moment for fans in that. If it doesn't work out, CP and Dunleavy are going to be connected in this way. So it's almost like they're an ex- CP is an extension of Dunleavy. If if he plays well, if CP plays well, I think fans will go, oh, okay, that was actually pretty smart, and maybe you give Dunleavy a chance. But if he doesn't, they're gonna they're gonna relate that to dunleavy and and his ability to do the job so that's kind of a risky trade when you think about it because you're banking on a 30 how what is he 38 or 39 yeah he's pretty old uh old guy with injury history who always breaks down when when you need him and that is the first thing that you tie your legacy as a gm to is is this trade with the for for cp so that uh, I'm going to be, I mean, that's, I think that's going to be a story. That'll be a story for the entire year for the Warriors. And I, I hope, I hope I can shake this, just this frustration with him because he was, it's, it's not I mean, it's the savior. You watched it. It's probably fair criticism. Um, but if Jay Rich was the GM, I think Warriors fans would embrace it more, even if he wasn't even qualified to be the GM. <laughs> like just because Jay Rich was so beloved, right? Like he was like, he was he was kind of the Monte before Monte, where Hakim Hakim J Rich doesn't get respect with the national media. What's going on here? And then he goes out and wins a slam dunk contest two times, and it's like Hakim he's not making the All Star team. Like look at his numbers compared to everybody else's numbers. And so that was our guy before that. And so it's kind of the same thing, you know, same with Monte. But uh, yeah, I think Dunleavy. Has his work cut out for him, but I do think that was a pretty brave trade when you think about it. That's why I'm kind of bullish on his tenure so far. It's been we don't know how long he's been the GM while Bob was out in Hawaii or wherever he was. Bob was chilling. Like, did who made the Wiseman trade? Like, I I I wondered did he did 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 Dunleavy do that? Because I feel like Dunleavy thus far has shown like 
yeah, I don't really like this, this sunk cost thing, like doesn't affect me. Like I'm willing to, you know, get rid of it. Like Bill was talking about Bill Simmons and, and Rosillo on their pod. were like doing the, um, it was it the expansion team draft and they had to protect players and they were going to the Timberwolves are like, yeah, we got to protect Rudy because they would not protecting Rudy would ad- admit if you're the front office, you'd be admitting that this was the worst trade of all time. I feel like Dunleavy has shown like we all knew that this was not a run it back Warriors team. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, if Bob was still there, would he have ran it back? I don't think so. I think Bob's smarter than that. But, you know, that was a that was this was a sunk cost. Like I love Jordan Poole. It wasn't going to work out um, going into go. He was not going to be on the roster. I think I said that multiple times on this podcast. So uh, Dunleavy already made a trade, got, got him out of there after saying he was going to be a warrior for life. And, <laughs> you know, he might've been the one to get rid of Wiseman too. And I was probably saying you need to keep wise and invest resources into him. I've changed my tune a little bit on that. And um, I would like to believe that it maybe was Dunleavy, maybe pulling the strings behind there to get GP two back to make that call. Um, and I don't know that for, for certain, but we know for certain that the CP thing was him. Okay, you want to um, know another thing that's going to tie him. And this is, this is just kind of an unfair thing, which is Pajemski. Yes. Dunleavy said <laughs> Pajemski was in their top 10, right? Is that what he said? They're on the top of their draft, top 10 of the draft board or whatever. Yeah. So when what McCall kept falling and we're like, Let's get him. He's like, no, well, that's how he justified taking Pajemski. It wouldn't have worked. Cam Whitmore would, it wouldn't have worked. It's another, it's another Kaminga pick. Who's not even as polished as Kaminga was uh, maybe a little. So yeah, I mean, but you have to look at it from, from a possibility of trade bait too. But, but yeah. so Pajemski, um, you know, talented, multifaceted player can do multiple things with the ball, but just not the greatest athlete. Dunleavy coming out of college, very tall. That's <laughs> oh, the difference God. with Dunleavy's. He was very tall, could handle the basketball, was supposed to be able to shoot, just not the most athletic guy uh, uh, on the court. And so he's going to tie his entire, you know, his first draft to Pods, who is sort of similar to him on the basketball court, sort of like a guard version, whereas Dunleavy was more of a small forward and you could play, you know, he, he could play stretch four. Though they didn't really play him that way that much, but he was tall. He was suddenly he was like six nine or something like that, from what I remember. So that's another thing. So that was also very brave of him to tie his uh, his first draft class to the guard version of himself. Pods. Yeah, yeah I, I'm 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 definitely, um, you know, learning as I go with with how I did those Warriors comps. And I don't think I did. I didn't do any research on Jaime Jaquez. I didn't do any research on pods other than watching him live. Man, the Warriors lost that coin flip to the Miami Heat and we could have been picking in their spot like Jaime Jaquez on this team. Like, I think he would be so great on the Warriors. And that one's But gonna... then Dunleavy would have said Jaime Jaquez wasn't on the top 10 of his board. Yeah, yeah I don't know what his board was. <laughs> I don't. I think that's a lie because Cam Whitmore had to be higher. On he had, had to, to be, be higher. like he had to be. I can't. I would not believe that Cam <laughs> Whitmore is not higher on your board unless they looked at it the way that you did, which is we already have two guys, you know, who would be in front of him, uh, and it could be well, another frustrating experience. Yeah, the thing is, is that for me, like I'm looking at this pods pick, like I'm. I think I was saying, like I always. I think how I'm looking at it is like, look, here's what we've done in the past. We've drafted the teenagers and we've tried to do the win now, develop now plan. And this pods pick was more like, okay, he was going into his third year or he just finished his third year. Hypothetically, he should be able to play his first year. That's how I'm looking at the pick. And I don't know if I should be looking at it this way because I'm shooting him in as into the, into the rotation and it's not guaranteed. And if he does not play this year and does not crack the rotation, to me, I think I've already said it on this podcast. That's a that's a failed pick. I think you needed to draft someone that can contribute minutes. And if that was the case, if Pajemski, if they look at him as like, okay, he's another like developed guy. He's not going to be ready this season. Like you should have just taken Whitmore then, because you're right. It is the trade thing too. He has mm-hmm. the trade value. Mm-hmm. Like after what Whitmore did at the summer league, even though summer league doesn't matter, but all this, it looked right. Like what he did, like it looked. It looked like a top pick performing as a top pick. Like I'm sure he upped his trade value off of that. So I think I think that that alone, yeah. Pajemski doesn't play. It's, it's such a failed pick. I, <laughs> I, I keep. I'm. I, but then when he when we picked, him, I was like, all right, there's a the guy who's going to replace Divincenzo. Now, obviously, 
couple of months later, nothing's really changed, but I'm going to retract that statement. Like, no, he's not going to fill in the 23 minutes or whatever DiVincenzo was playing per night. When everyone went out, DiVincenzo was playing like 26 or 27 minutes. Yeah. No, Pashemsi's not going to do that, but I do hope he could be, um, I don't know. The, 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 I don't know the, what the, what the rotation is going to look like right now, but maybe clay's the, Clay turns from he's a starting two guard, but then in the backup minutes he's playing the three, and then maybe Pajemski can can play the two there. Or there, there's a, there's a few combinations, and and people are going to be hurt. He's going to have his opportunity, um, and if he's not able to stick in the rotation as, as in his rookie season, oh man, yeah, I just that's what I thought they were doing. I thought they were picking the guy that wasn't the that still had room to grow. It wasn't the Jaime Hawkes pick, whereas I think we think Jaime is good, but like how much better can he get? kind of like kind of like where i'm at with with Hawkes, but like with pajemski i feel like there is still like a like a ceiling there maybe the idea is chris paul is the divincenzo yeah but cp's yeah yeah the and well cp's the jordan pool no he's gotta be (laughs) yeah and and then you know, Moody and Kaminga are so. I think Moody might. I'm. I. I'm kind of bullish on Moody of, of what he showed us in the playoffs. Like, which is he why we showed were so us in the playoffs the year before the year too. Before. Like, I, yeah, I think he should technically be replacing DiVincenzo. Yeah. No. There's a. There's some. You know that. That's why this stuff is fun. Um. There. There was a. There was a question in 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 the comments. Uh, will Clay have a decent playoffs? Why did he lose his legs uh, at the end of the season? And you know that that is a great question, and I think the thing the, the way that I would it, without knowing clay, the way that these injuries and and how these injuries work is the Warriors brought him back the championship season more than halfway through the season, so he didn't even have to play a full season in his injury return, and last year he had to play a full season, and he was not in the best shape. So that would be my answer. Yeah. They, they, I'm, you know, they'll have to ask clay, but my hope for the legs part of it is that, you know, usually when it comes to that and, and look at two injuries, so ACL and the Achilles, they always say it's like that first full year back could, could be rough, but then it's like that second year when you kind of get it. So that's my hope for clay is that with the confidence in the idea that, Okay, you're now, you know, gonna be two years removed from from your comeback come January. So by then, maybe is when his legs bounce back. So that is my hope. Yeah. All right. And if it doesn't, then what is he getting paid this year? Like thirty-seven million dollars. And this is is he on a contract? Is he is he expiring this season? I think Clay's expiring. I mean, and I think the contract is actually more. Forty-one. Let me look it up. I'm, I'm going to look up Spot Track, my favorite website. Look, I have no interest in Clay being bad this season, but his contract is for sure not going to be a 33. 43. Yeah. 43 million. Regardless of what he does this season, he will not be getting paid that amount again. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I guess, if he has this crazy all star season, maybe, because contracts are going up. But yeah. He will be uh, 34 in 2024. So you're. There, there's gonna, there's got to be a transition of his game, and you, you know, we'll, we'll end on this. The thing you were saying, you know, what is he working on? This isn't a big part of the NBA anymore, especially with guards posting up. But sometimes they cannot get a bucket. I would love to see him work on a post game and fade away you know because he does a lot of that well he does a lot of that moving and he's like moving in the air while the shot i want to see him do more of the the kobe style the post game where you just kind of get you know you 10 10 feet in and and you jab step and either get to the hole or they play you that way and then you turn around and shoot a fade away i would like to see a little bit more but that's not necessarily how the warriors play it could be a little bit more of like, remember when uh, Sean Livingston would come in the game and that they would just go old school ball and he would just hit 15 footers, like yeah. just shoot 15 footers the whole time. Him and Inguadala and David West are just popping, you know, they're popping mid range. I would like to see some of that from him because they do need uh, for that second team. They need a bucket getter and it's not always going to be, if that three point shot isn't there, 
let's see what he's like, you know, getting, getting in the post a little bit. Um, you know, his handle isn't fantastic, but you know, he doesn't have to necessarily dribble. He could get, get it on that corner and he, he can, he can get that shot up. So I would like to see a little bit more of that. Cause I do think they're going to need whenever Steph gets cold, man, that offense can shut down. So that's yeah, that my hope. Hopefully with Wiggins full year back, hopefully he plays 80% of the season. Um, you know, he's kind of supposed to be like the second unit creator. Um, so we'll see what he could do. All right. We're going to end this little, little shorter than usual, but there is not a whole lot to talk about. So uh, hopefully we'll get some news soon. I think, uh, what in another month? Is that when they start the training camp? I don't know the dates like that for, for their training camp season. What starts at the end of October? Yeah, maybe maybe it is a few more weeks after that. I think it's in September when they start getting back together, though. Huh. Uh, Sunday, Rod and I will be back with our first post recap of uh, the first preseason game between uh, 49ers and Raiders. What if Jimmy is Jimmy G playing in that game? <laughs> That's going to be crazy. See, see, I wonder if they're going to go after Jimmy G if he plays. Uh, it doesn't sound like Brock Purdy's going to play, though. At least Kyle was being a little coy about. So maybe they'll make it a lot good, good opportunity to see some Trey Lance. So I like that about that. All right. So we'll be back. Uh, we'll figure out our offseason schedule. I feel I feel like last year we had way more to talk about every week than this year. The news just all of a sudden became silent. So we'll figure out when we, when we get back. But. Uh, for Bri, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.